Remember your mother, your grandmother, maybe gardening and maybe having some of those little old-fashioned clay pots and they would crack and they could breathe. And that's the reason plants could grow in them so well is because they didn't just hold water. There was a hole in the bottom and it could come through. And the whole point was is that water flows through and touches those roots. But if you don't keep water coming in because it does flow out, that's the same principle of what's going on in our lives and our hearts. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 17, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's not just one time in our lives when we meet Jesus or maybe when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but it's on a daily basis. Everybody say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, we're, we're doing this series. It's off this book by John Ortberg called The Life You've Always Wanted. And I am so excited about our life groups that just got launched this week. And I want you to know it's not too late. As a matter of fact, we're going to hold them open this week and one more week. So we really want you to sign up for them because Sunday morning service, celebration time is awesome together with other believers. And, and, to, and with, maybe, maybe you're not a believer this morning. You might say, well, you know, I'm not in that category. You know what? You are welcome in this place. If you're just investigating and you're checking out who Jesus is, we want you to know that this is a safe place. Nobody's going to you know, accost you. We don't have an evangelism linebacker around here that's going to just you know, take you out or anything. That's not going to happen. We want you to know this is a safe place. You can come in and ask questions. You can investigate who Jesus is and his claims. We, we, we believe, we're convinced in all of our heart that he is truly everything that he said he is. I can say I know because he's changed my life in a dramatic way. He's continuing to do so this morning. Before we jump into this, I just want to tell you real quickly about something I'm very excited about. We try to take this moment every Sunday morning and we pray for a church in the area because we want to build into our congregation the awareness that we're not the only one here. There are great churches in the city of West Memphis and Marion and for sure over in Memphis, Tennessee. We have people that visit from all these three areas and, and we want to make sure that you realize that we are all about holding up the body of Christ and praying for one another. Today it's going to be a little bit different because I'm not going to mention a pastor's name in our direct area, but I have a very, very good friend who's a young man. He's about 30 years old, and he's starting his very first launch service this morning in Tampa, Florida. It's called Trinity New Life Church, and they've been having preview services for about the last eight months and this morning is their launch Sunday. And so I want you, if you would right now, just, just, you know, you just bow your heads with me and let's just touch God for, for Clayton Bell and for Trinity New Life Church. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for a brother in Christ. Thank you for, Lord, a fellow brother in the vineyard of God that he's, he's sent there and he's, he's pulling and he's plowing and he's planting and he's hauling and he's declaring the good word of the kingdom of God. Thank you for Tampa, that it's a, that it's a place of good soil, that it's going to bring forth much fruit. Lord, in their first launch service today, I thank you that the gospel is being proclaimed right now. Lord, without religiosity, without legalism, Lord, apart from all of that junk that is just so characteristic of Southern churchianity. But Lord, I thank you. He's a, he's a man who walks with you, a man of integrity, and he's going to bring a clear word. And souls are going to be saved today in Trinity New Life Church. We bless and we pray for our sister congregation today in Tampa. And all of God's people said, amen. I thank you for doing that. I told Clayton this morning, I talked to him and I said, Clayton, I want you to know, brother, it's going to be an amazing day. We're excited for you and we're praying for you. We're pulling for you. I remember what that first Sunday was like and you're wondering who's going to come. 
And I'm just telling you, I'm so excited even today. We've been at this for more than a couple of years, and I'm excited every Sunday wondering who's going to come. And I see new faces today, and I'm so thrilled to have each and every one of you with us this morning. Uh, all of our regulars, if you would just say amen to that right now, because we're so glad to, to see our, our, our new folks here. Let's put our hands together and give them a hand. Amen. The, the message that I want to bring to you today is primarily out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. And as they put that up on the screen this morning, I am just excited to be able to bring to you the life-changing Word of God. So I'm going to ask you if you would read this out loud with me, please. Any one of the screens in the house, if you would look and read together. Here we go. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Bow your heads with me, please, this morning for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this service. Thank you for, for your Holy Spirit's presence that was so powerfully here and present in our worship this morning as we've gathered together to celebrate and declare that you are Jesus Christ, Lord over this city, Lord over this nation, Lord over the whole earth. Lord, I just acknowledge before you and before all my brothers and sisters this morning that I'm, I can't do anything. Only you, Father, only you, Spirit of the living God, can move and teach and declare and proclaim. Lord, I, I've, I've prepared this week, but God, I just submit all of that. I submit my mind and my heart and my mouth and the words that you've called me to speak. I pray today that even as the Apostle Peter said in, in his letter, that my lips would speak as the oracles of God. I can't do anything apart from you, but with you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're the only teacher. Give us ears to hear and give us eyes to see. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to tell you first of all this morning that a disciplined person is someone who does the right thing at the right time, the right way, and with the right spirit. Somebody said, man, that's a whole lot of rights. I don't really know if I, I can do that. And let me just say this to you. We're here today to talk about the life that God has called us to, the life that we really want to begin to walk into. And it's a progression. It is not something that just because you confess Jesus for the very first time, you don't get up from that experience, whether it's at an altar, whether you're kneeling at your bedside, whether you're driving down the road and hear a radio, you hear a worship song and you just cry out to God and say, Jesus, save me. That's the simplicity of the gospel right there. It's, it's not a whole bunch of legalistic, pharisaical requirements, but it's just the simplicity that Jesus came and died for you and all you have to do is say, Jesus, save me. But none of us got up from that experience perfect. How many of you would be willing to say amen? amen. God is still in the midst of working on me. And you heard me say this, and I'm going to take the time to say it again. I, actually, I heard it from T.D. Jakes, a great man of God, wonderful African-American brother in Dallas, Texas, preaching machine. Mm. And he says it this way. He said, it amazes me, it never ceases to amaze me, that while God has called me to proclaim the message of transformation, he is still right now currently involved in transforming me as an individual. And so let me just tell you right now, there's nobody perfect in this church. I'll be the first one. I'm at the head of the line. Like the Apostle Paul said, a chief of sinners. And we're all in process. God is working on us. And this whole thing about spiritual disciplines, it's not about, you know, just gearing ourselves down into some kind of grit your teeth, white knuckle it as best as you can, because that's not what it's about at all. It's about learning to let the very spirit of Jesus 
who lives on the inside of you begin to live through you. And somebody says, well, that sounds good, but how do you do that? And more and more and more, my messages are, are, are coming to these two questions. So what? And by the conclusion, I write on my notes, now what? Everybody look at your, everybody look at your neighbor and say, so what? Now what? And so this morning, my message is going to hopefully answer those questions for you regarding spiritual disciplines. We know something a little bit about them. We know about prayer. We know about Bible fellowship. We know about reading the Word. Uh, we know about fasting, giving up a meal, or maybe making an attempt to try to break a habit in some area, if it's the television or social media or maybe a cigarette or uh, alcohol or various things that any of us might... It, let me just get real plain. Maybe it's just C6H1206. How many of you know what that is? My, my wife, who is the science teacher, said sugar. Now, you know, you, don't hear, you, you, hear, you hear southern preachers get up and rail and just beat the people about some very obvious things that are not good for you, and most of them are standing in the pulpit 100 pounds overweight, and I want to go, we need to get a revelation that sugar is your enemy, my brother. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so we're not here today. Nobody's going to get beat up. It's not about any of that kind of stuff, but it's about taking some tools that God wants to give us and help every one of us put into place so that we can begin to enjoy the kind of life that God has called us to have. I want to bring you one thing today. That believe it or not, I, I know there are two blanks here, but this really is a one-point message. I want you to get this one thing. David said, one thing have a desire to the Lord that I may seek after. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting what is behind, he said, I press toward, he said, this one thing. Everybody say one thing. one thing. The kingdom is all about the law of priority. It's all about seeking first. It's, it's about putting something in proper order. It is the one thing. When we put Jesus first, that's the one thing in our lives. And so this morning, I want to bring you really a one point, one idea message. And this is what, this is what it says right here. Everybody say, trying harder, trying harder. produces defeats and sins. Now let's put it together. Here we go. Trying harder produces defeats and sins. But training wiser prepares me for victories and wins. Say that with me. Training wiser prepares me for victories and wins. Now let's do the whole thing together one more time. Look at your screen so you can say it. Trying harder produces defeats and sins. Training wiser prepares me for victories and wins. Pastor, what do you mean by that? What, what's the difference in trying and training? Well, this is the deal right here is that so many people in legalistic religious Christianity, which is what we are trying our best, we have a repellent that we spray against that whole thing. I don't want anything to do with pharisaical legalism that, that puts heavy yokes of burden and bondage on people. It's all about, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, he says, and learn from me, he says, because my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Right. And I believe religion is the problem in so many places, especially in the Bible Belt South, and I call this whole phenomenon around here Southern Churchianity. It's not even Christianity. It's Churchianity. Is sit up and it's look good and it's put a, put a fake smile on your face. You going through hell in your life, but you got to act like you're not. 
And so many churches in America, I want to tell you, this is a safe place. You can be who you are. This is a place of grace. We will love you and accept you. We, there will be no judgment on what you are struggling with. We ask you to take the first step of the journey and say, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And guess what? We will walk with you and help you unpack your junk. So you ought to put your hands together and give the God praise right there. Christianity is not about white-knuckling and trying really hard. I had some folks, you know, respond. I put it up on Facebook this week. A disciplined person. After all, that's really what a disciple is. Everybody say disciple. Jesus nowhere told us, go and make Christians. Go and make Baptists. Go and make Charismatics. Go and make Presbyterians. He didn't even say go and make believers. He said go and make what? Disciples of all nations. And the whole point is, is that in order to be a disciple, I have to begin to learn how to walk in discipline. Everybody say discipline. A disciplined person is one who does the right thing at the right time in the right way with the right spirit. Now, that's not as hard as it sounds. You do that all the time. Parents, you do that for your children. You get up, moms, and you cook breakfast. You do it the right way at the right time in the right way with the right spirit because you want to bless your children. And don't tell me it doesn't take discipline to get up out of the bed before they do it, it takes discipline. I remember what it was. Some of you are young mothers and fathers, and, and you used to enjoy those times where you could just be spontaneous and go to a midnight movie, but now you've got a little four-month that just, it has demands. How many of you know your life changed? And because of that wonderful little gift from God, you have to change things regularly, and I'll leave that alone. One husband said one time to his wife, and we had to work on him a little bit, he quoted the scripture out of Malachi chapter 3. Well, I'm like God. He said, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. And the little girl said, honey, you ain't God. <laughs> he was trying to make a joke about, I'm a man. I don't change any diapers. A couple generations ago, men could get away with that. We can't get away with it anymore. Amen? And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The one thing that I'm trying to drive home today is this is not about trying. Because if I try harder and harder, then I'm, just, I'm going to miss it. I, I, I have a goal. The goal is that I would be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I can't in my own strength grit my teeth and bare white knuckles hard enough to try to make sure that when I'm typically impatient, I just Decide today, bless God, I'm going to get up. I'm going to be patient. Guess what? You're going to have the most ridiculous display of impatience. You're probably going to get road rage. You're probably going to run somebody off the road in the loop around 240 in Memphis. When you make up your mind and whatever you do, please, bless God, don't ever pray for patience because it has an amazing way of stuff coming into your life to bring out what? Impatience. So it's not about trying harder. Training wiser prepares us for victories and wins. Alex did an amazing job last Sunday giving us a, a kickoff on the first two chapters of this excellent book by John Ortberg, The Life You've Always Wanted. It's subtitled, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. There's a reason why the Bible tells us, Jesus said, pray, pray our Father which art in heaven. And you know the prayer. There's a reason why he taught us to fast at times, to give up something. Uh, disciplines that we abstain from things, disciplines that we deliberately take action, the, the discipline of servanthood, the discipline of serving somebody else and celebrating and joy and all of these different kinds of things that are going to be in this great book and this 
amazing small groups and these series that we're preaching here on Sunday. The goal of the spiritual life is the hope of transformation. Is that God started to work in me and he's going to continue it. My life verse is found in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Psalm 138.8 says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. How many of you are thankful that God started this thing and he's going to finish it? It, it, it came as an act of God's grace initially, and too many times in religious circles, and folks that really start out right, somewhere shift into another gear, and they say, okay, yes, God forgave me my sins. It's, not, it's about nothing that I ever did in the very first place, but now I'm going to have to work at it really, really hard from this point on. And so people get bogged down in all kinds of legalism and righteous requirements. And let me tell you something, the law of God is still the law of God, but you never can... Fulfill that in your own strength. It's going to take Christ in you living through you, somebody. That's exactly what it's going to take. Transformation, point number one here into this I want you to see. Transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we jump to the scripture underneath this, I want to go back for just a moment. If you put that back up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Everybody say, being transformed. Amen. Being transformed into the same image. Everybody say, same image. Amen. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from whom? Okay, God is doing the changing. Now, I know this is not Greek seminary class, but I want to give you a little Greek. Somebody said, I know a little Greek. He lives around the corner from me. That is a bad, bad joke. But I'm going to give you a little Greek, okay? This word being transformed is the Greek word, it's a derivative of the Greek word metamorpho. How many of you remember 10th grade biology and you learned of the process where a caterpillar, a nasty, grubby little worm, spins itself a cocoon, literally a death chamber. And in the process of dying, and there is a transformation that takes place where he goes in one kind of creature and then comes out something entirely different in the midst of the struggle and pressing out of that cocoon that he literally wove or spun is the proper word for himself, herself. I guess caterpillars have sexuality. That's another subject, I guess. Whatever, they spin the cocoon, and out of it they come an amazing, beautiful creature, entirely different, something that we would look at and say is ugly, and then something entirely different emerges that is absolutely beautiful. I remember the butterfly exhibit over at the, the zoo in Memphis and how beautiful all of those amazing butterflies are from around the world. And just thinking about every one of them at one time was just like a grub, just like a little nasty caterpillar. And too many times religion tries to take our caterpillarness and with, with, with some degree of trying to dress it up, we, we, we try to you know, tell the caterpillar, well, you know, you can't keep being grubby and you can't keep crawling around in your sin. And what we're basically doing is we're, we're taking out the lipstick of religion and we're trying to pretty up the caterpillar. But it's still nothing but a caterpillar with lipstick. It's going to frustrate you and the caterpillar don't like it. The caterpillar has to come to a realization that death 
burial and resurrection is going to bring newness of life. And there's something on the inside of the caterpillar that knows he's going to have to die. In the same kind of way, as a sinner, I realize I'm going to have to identify with the one who has already died for me, lived perfect and died and was, and was raised again 2,000 years ago. And because of that, he begins a work in me and begins to transform me and change me. Everybody say metamorphosis. Greek word metamorpho. It, it is in the passive perfect tense in the Greek. Wow, that's impressive. Passive perfect tense. Passive means is that I'm not doing the action. It's being done to me. Everybody say, this is not about me. It's not about my effort. It's not about my work. It's not about my striving. It's not about gritting my teeth and trying really hard. But it's about realizing that God is doing this by His Spirit. It's being done to me. I'm passive in this thing in the sense... And I'm not saying I'm not doing anything, but I'm just telling you it's not my responsibility to bring the change. God has to do it. This stuff comes from the Lord. It's not only in the passive tense telling me that it's being done to me, but it's in the present tense. Everybody say, it's happening right now. It says we are being transformed. And the image is that of Jesus Christ from one degree of glory to another. I'm not what I used to be, but thank God I'm not yet what I'm going to be. And he is doing a work inside of me. Amen? Transformation is the work of the Spirit. So how then can I get in this place? The, the, the scripture here literally talks about beholding. Beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding. That's what we were doing in worship for just a few moments there this morning. Uh, we'd quit singing something that had been written by man and we just begin to lift up and just out of our hearts say, Lord, I love you, I magnify you, be glorified in this house. And when everybody starts to do that, it's just almost like the angelic choir and the presence of God comes and it, it's just a magnificent place of shutting everybody else out and just by yourself standing, worshiping and beholding, the scripture says, the glory of the Lord. When we behold something, we're being changed because of what we are looking at. How many of you remember that amazing scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when all those dudes were faking it and they were dressed up like the priests and they pushed the top of the ark off? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it'll melt your face off. <laughs> now, I just want to tell you right now, that's for all the religious people because we're trying our best to, to drive. If anybody's got a religious spirit, we move on. Because I want to tell you, it's, it's, if you get in the presence of God, it will melt your face off, baby. We are not religious here at Victory. It is all about crying out for the reality of the presence of God. Come on, somebody put your hands together and give the Lord praise. So how do I get a hold of this? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, Jesus says in John 3. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is not trying harder because if I try harder, I'm only going to be defeated. It's going to produce more sin in my life. If I learn to train wiser, it will prepare me for victories and wins. Trying harder produces defeats and sins. Training wiser prepares me for victories and wins. I've got a couple of pictures here that I'd like them to put up, and I want you to see this whole principle of this nautical culture, which Jesus deals with many times with disciples rowing in the boat across the tempest of a lake, and they're struggling, and they're straining, and they're striving. They're putting their back into it, and they're pulling, and they're rowing, and they're trying really, really hard. But the whole point is this. 
Now that Christ has come into your life, we're no longer straining, trying to be a good person in our own ability, trying to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You can't produce the fruit of your Spirit in your own ability. It takes Christ living inside of you. The difference is a group of people that are rowing against the waves and the wind on the tempest of a wind-tossed lake. And the difference in what about you're about to see in this next picture. Put this one up. See the big sailing ship? A sailboat is the difference between people that are rowing in a rowboat is that the rowboat is by human effort. The sailboat is all about discerning the direction of the wind. And the Bible tells us right here in John chapter 3, do not marvel that I say to you again, you must be born again. He says, I want you to guys realize this, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now that the Spirit of God is actively working in your heart and in your life and in your spirit, your responsibility is not to get in this thing and try to strain against the waves of your circumstances, but it's to look around and to sense how the Spirit of the Lord is blowing in your life and you put the sails up. And guess what? A sailor sits back. Now, there is work to it because he has to put the sail in the right place. That's where we're going to talk about the spiritual disciplines here in just a second. But when you put the sail in the right place, the move that God has created in nature actually propels that boat from one side of the lake to the other around the world, if so be. If you're on a boat like the picture that we just saw, now you have to learn, you have to be trained on how to use those sails. You have to learn how to discern the direction of the wind and the direction you're attempting to go. Getting those sails, getting the wind caught in those sails is like using a spiritual discipline so that you can get in the presence of God and behold His glory. Getting the wind in those sails is like taking the time to get up in the morning before you leave for work and you open your Bible and you give God five minutes and you say, Father, I just ask you to open your word today. You reflect on scripture. You begin to say, teach me from your word. The Bible says the entrance of your words unfolds light or gives light. And so when I take time to just behold the glory of the Lord in worship or when I pray or when I read the word or when I fast a meal, when I determine that I'm going to abstain from words and I'm silent and I practice solitude, when I deliberately make a decision to get underneath somebody else's burden and I serve them. Those are actions like the sailor on the ship moving the mast and the sail and all of these things so he learns to be able to tack with the wind. Those things put me in a place to check to be able to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit in my life so that He can propel me into greater love and more joy and deeper peace. How many of you would like to have some real, what the Bible calls shalom? Hebrew word for peace. Everybody say shalom. Shalom to the Hebrew didn't just mean the absence of conflict, but it literally meant peace power, and prosperity. It meant shalom was wholeness, baby. It meant that God had come and comprehensively touched every area of that person's life and they were walking in peace. The blessing of God was there. Jesus said, I did. I, I have come that you might have life and have it more what? That's it. Shalom. Full. Peace. Power. Plenty. Prosperity. The blessing of God. I want me some of that. Transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. So how then 
do I put this whole thing into play? Point number two. Remember, it's not about trying. Trying harder produces defeat and sin. Training wiser, say it with me. Training wiser prepares me for victories and wins. Say it. Prepares me for victories and wins. Number two. Spiritual disciplines are like the sail on a ship. They catch the wind that is blowing in my life for the purpose of taking me somewhere. It's all about producing the character and the nature of Christ. Fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Everybody knows the first three. Let me teach you how I do this. Everybody say, love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. The fruit of the Spirit, think of a fig. How many times did Jesus talk about a fig tree? Fruit of the Spirit. Everybody can say the first three. Actually, the Scripture says the fruit of the Spirit is. It's singular. Actually, the fruit of the Spirit is love. All of these other things are different manifestations of love. It's one fruit. These are expressions of how love shows itself. Love shows itself when I'm abounding and when I'm abased, when I choose to demonstrate the joy of the Lord that is my strength. Love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. PKG, everybody say package. PKG, that's the abbreviation for package. PKG, that's patience, kindness, goodness. And then figs, FGS, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if you didn't get anything else out of the message this morning, you know the fruit of the Spirit now. You can say all nine. Come on and do it with me. Here we go. Love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. So here we go. Package, patience, kindness, goodness, figs, FGS, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So you didn't think you could memorize stuff like that. I have all kinds of little tricks up my sleeve <laughs> to be able to do that sort of thing. Now, you know what? As cool as it is to know the nine, it's a whole nother thing to demonstrate them and walk in them. And that's where the spiritual disciplines come into place. And so this morning, as we bring this message down to a close, there's a little bit of a lengthy passage here, and I just want to read it and move through it. Anybody get anything out of this? Verse 19, this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Read out loud with me. You have it in front of you. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone... I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Everybody say, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Stop right there. That's why we're making changes in our services around here so that we can enter the world of people who are not used to the whole religious, traditional, all the forms of Christianity that in a lot of places have a form of godliness but there ain't no power. It's dead. Everybody's showing up there but God. How many of you know it's not about a cool new, some new lights or a backdrop? It's not about edgy choruses. It's all about people whose hearts are open and hungry for the presence of God. And that's what we want to see in this place more than anything. I don't want to preach a home run message and knock it out of the park if Jesus doesn't show up in the house. It's all about the presence of God. 
He says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just, walk to, I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. You've all been to the stadium and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. Look at your neighbor and tell him right now, say, you are supposed to run to win. Tell him. Verse 25, if you have a pen or a pencil, underline 25. Let's say it together. All good athletes, what? Try hard? Train hard. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. I found a new Jeep this week, and that's not new. It's an 08. Just like the one that I tried to baptize four weeks ago. <laughs> Some of you don't know the story. I had just this wonderful four-door. Man, it, was, uh, it, was, it was, had a lift. It had these big tires. I mean, it just was, it was, it was my Jeep. <laughs> I dropped my phone, and I reached down to get it. And when I reached down to get it, I guess I pulled a little to the right, and I was on the edge of the road coming out of the subdivision where we live. We're crossing. They call it Marion Lake. And if there ever was calling those things just being not as though they were, that's a slew, baby. It is a slew. <laughs> Next thing, I'm driving this thing right down into the water going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the water's coming up and the phone's laying there and I lost the phone anyway, my iPhone. <laughs> and I have to get out and it's, it just snowed two or three days prior to that and it's all over the snow and ice on the sides. And that's what happened. I couldn't pull it back up out there. I just drove it right down in the water. I'm supposed to pick up Ray, Perry Reginelli. We're going for some fellowship. We're taking him to Flying Fish. He's expecting me to pick up in a few minutes. We're going to go over on 2nd Street, eat Flying Fish. And when he, when he finds out what happened, he says, Pastor, I thought we were going to go eat Flying Fish. I didn't know you were going to try to dive and catch him. <laughs> later on, he put up on my Facebook, he said, the word of the Lord to Pastor Michael is cast your net on the right side of your Jeep and you will find fish. <laughs> is Perry here today? I'm going to tell off on him then. And when I, uh, somebody asked me, they said, well, you got a new one. Did you get the, the pontoon option? <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan of Oprah, but I've signed her pledge to make my car a no-phone zone. I just want you to know that. <laughs> God really blessed. Um, I, I internet searched for weeks, and I found one identical because I wanted one just like it. Same mileage that I had on mine. I'm not going to go into details, but God blessed me. The insurance gave me more than I paid for the first. This one was less than I paid for the first. And so it's just God has a way of turning things around and bringing blessing out of it. And so I give God praise for that. I ran a half marathon a few years ago, and I'm, I'm started right now doing training because I want to run a full one. I'm going to be 50 years old December 28th. 30 blinked. 40, didn't even think anything about it. 50, mm, that's half a hundred. <laughs> and it's just kind of settling in on me. And so I've got some things on my bucket list that I want to accomplish. And I want to do this before I'm 50. And so I'm, I'm, what are y'all laughing? Don't, 
you know you went to see that movie. Don't even look at me in that religious tone. It's a great movie. Morgan Freeman and who the other dude was, I don't remember, but it was a great bucket list. I loved it. Jack Nicholson, yeah. Uh, I have some things I want to accomplish in my life, and they're all not about a bunch of whole hyper-spiritual stuff. I want to run a marathon. I want to finish it. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not a Kenyan, brother. I am not going to set any speed records. You know, some of us are like fine automobiles. Some of us are built for speed. Others of us are built for luxury. And, you know, I've, I've said that before. I'm more like an SUV than I am, you know, a Ferrari, okay? So it's about endurance, and it's, I'm in the whole walk-jog stage. I ran a half a few years ago, and I'm trying now because I'm going to do 26.2. And, you know, no matter how bad I want it, if I don't do anything all year long... I can go out there December 3rd, whenever it is, that first week of December, the St. Jude Marathon in Memphis, Tennessee, and I can try really, really hard. And I can try so hard that, man, I want it. I, I, I can have a, a picture of thinking in my mind. I'm visualizing. I'm imagining. I'm seeing me crossing the finish line, and I'm hearing chariots of fire play in the background. dun da 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 Da, 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 da. No matter how hard I imagine it, no matter how many visualization, practice, visualization practices I put into place, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to be defeated because trying harder is not the answer to accomplishing something great like that. Trying harder is not going to get it for me to be in the image of Jesus Christ. I have to train wiser. I have to a little bit every day ramp up the intensity I'm doing a walk-jog thing right now. I'll move to where I can actually run a full 5K, 3.2. I'll do like I trained to do the 13.1 miles a few years ago. I run 5K three days a week, and on Saturday I add a mile every weekend. I'm just a little bit farther, just run a little bit farther. See, some of you right now won't pray because you say, I don't know how to put all these great words together the way others do. You know something? God's not interested in all your flowery religious language anyway. You know what? Don't, you know, don't say, well, I can't do this marathon of prayer. I can't read the Bible for an hour a day. Well, don't even try to start it an hour a day. How about just take a scripture? Or maybe let's step into it and take one chapter and just give God 10 minutes in the morning and start to train wisely. Don't try harder because you know what? You're just going to beat yourself up. You're going to just you know, get in this whole, this, this whole guilt mechanism that kicks in and then you end up putting yourself farther away from God because you think it's all about your effort and it never was about your effort in the first place. Don't tell me right now, everybody say this. Say, don't train harder. Train. I mean, I'm sorry. I messed it up. Say, don't try harder. Say, train wiser. The chapter in Ecclesiastes I read this week, it says if the axe is dull, then the fellow using it is going to have to work a whole lot harder. It's going to take a lot more effort. You're going to have to sharpen the axe. And when you begin to learn to walk in the spiritual disciplines just a little at a time, take a step, get up in the morning, make a commitment tomorrow that you're just going to read a couple of scriptures. And instead of just trying to do massive amounts of chapter reading, maybe take two or three verses and just meditate on it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. How do you meditate that verse? Father, I thank you that... I'm in Jesus now. I'm not in my old life, in my old self. And because of that, you've made things new. You're progressively changing me. And just pray that. Pray that one little scripture and just turn it around in your mind and meditate it and think about what it means for the old to be gone and the new to come.
man, you'll, you'll get faith will grow. You'll start to ripple out in spiritual muscles all over the place. Amen? Amen. It's not about trying harder. It's about training wiser. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. He says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. He says, I'm staying alert and I'm in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. This morning, we got a little thing that should have been inside of your message notes, and it's called a training card. I want you to look at that. Now, nobody's going to follow you around and put gold stars in any of these boxes. This is just the start. These are just a few of the spiritual disciplines. And it says deeds, words, and thoughts. Reading from the bottom up, how about we start it the other way, from the top down. Thoughts, words, and deeds down the left side. Because those are the areas that so many times that we struggle in. Uh, a sin that becomes an action didn't start out as an action. It's, it was something that was entered our mind first as a thought, and then we spoke it, and then we took the action, and it became a deed. Now, what we're looking to do is use these spiritual disciplines in order to help us deal with sin in our life that we're trying to walk away from. There are two kinds of sin. Everybody say sins of omission and sins of commission. Very simply, sins of omission are things that you should do, but you don't. You omit them. Sins of commission are things that you do that you shouldn't. You act and you shouldn't. This is how you do it. If you're struggling with something that you're doing that you shouldn't, let's just say maybe you're, 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 you're talking too much. You're, you're, you, you have a tendency to jump in and get involved in people's business, and maybe you gossip a little bit, and you pray about it, and you're trying to quit. You know how you make a decision that you're going to be able to deal with that? You strengthen your muscles that say no. You practice silence. How amazing it is just to give God a whole morning and not say a word. Just practice solitude. When you strengthen your muscles that say, no, I'm going to resist, that gives you the ability to stop doing sins of commission. Are you following me? And it's the exact opposite. If you are sinning in areas where you should be doing things that you're not, you're omitting them, then you start exercising spiritual disciplines that make you take action. You encourage somebody with your mouth. You speak words of encouragement. You get up underneath somebody and you serve them with a random act of kindness. You make a choice to bless somebody else. Let me tell you, when you start doing things for others, you get so amazingly overwhelmed with a spirit of joy and just Christ comes in and works through you. It gets, it gets your mind off of what you're yourself and introspective and looking at all the stuff that you think is not right. little training card. Everybody look at the top. Everybody say, Jesus, others, and you. Now, there's nine little things here this week. They are so simple. Look at others and words right down to the very middle box. Encourage someone. I, I encourage you to stick this on the sun visor of your car, in your Bible, wherever it is that you're going to regularly see it, and make a decision as you go out of your house every day to do one of these things. Pray for somebody. Meditate a scripture in your quiet time. Words, speak and say, God, bring refreshing to my life. Pray for spiritual refreshing. Fast a meal or exercise for your physical body. Do something for yourself in that regard. Practice solitude or silence. Confess a promise of God in your life. Confess a sin, but don't just confess the sin and be focused on the negative. Confess a promise and say, Father, I thank you that you've said that I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? So take this this week and make the decision to 
step out and start in the spiritual disciplines. If you don't have one of these yet, you can check Amazon.com or Half.com, even better. You can get them on Half.com for about $2. And they'll ship it to you for another $2 and in about two days, and you've only spent about five. We bought these at our cost and sold them until we don't have any more. We sold them for $15 a piece. But if you want to get one in a couple of days and jump in with us, we want you to join us in one of our amazing small group ministries. we got some great leaders in different places in West Memphis and Marion, and it's going to be an amazing next eight weeks. Because as we do this, we're going to start to see the fruit of the Spirit of God growing in our hearts, and you guys will reach out and start to sense that you're training wiser, not trying harder anymore. Trying harder will only produce defeat and sin. Training wiser will prepare us for victories and wins. Somebody said amen. amen. Bow your head with me this morning. Father, I thank you for this time together in your word. Thank you for the life that you've desired for us, the life, Father, that you've always wanted for us. I just ask today in the name of Jesus that every person under the sound of my voice would hear the amazing good news of the gospel, that it begins in grace and it continues and finishes in grace. Jesus, you are the author. You started this thing. You are the finisher of our faith. You're the alpha. You're the beginning. You're the omega. You're the end. And God, I thank you that you are doing a work of transforming us. As we put up our sails and we catch the wind of the Spirit, and God, you propel us forward into the abundant life, into the blessed life. Lord, there are men and women under the sound of my voice this morning that are struggling. Lord, they love you with all their hearts, and some of them are dealing with anger and rage bitterness, malice. Lord, some with lust. Lord, some of them are in addictive patterns of behavior, God, and they want to break free. And God, I thank you today in the name of Jesus that your delivering presence and your power today is there to meet and to reach to every one of us with all of our stuff. Your love is so much bigger. Your light is so much brighter. All of our stuff, all of our junk, all of our darkness. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I just want to ask you this morning, have you ever taken that first step to say, Jesus, start a work in me, change me, save me? I believe there's some people in this room this morning as we close this service that you desperately need to. Maybe you've already known the Lord and you just need a fresh start with God. I'm just going to ask you right now, and I'm going to include this together. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And that's all there is to it right there. Change my life. Forgive me of my sin. I trust in you. Not about me trying harder anymore, but God, I reach to you for your grace and your love, forgiveness. I repent and I turn to you in Jesus' name. In the stillness and the quietness of this moment, in your thoughts, 